Hello, beings of Earth. I'm your host, Neil Verma. Welcome to eBrandCast, where we decode what branding truly is so you can build a dominant e-com brand. In this episode, we'll take a deep dive into the powerful psychology behind brand names and a few tips on how to help you make a better choice for your own brand. Back in the early 90s, Jeff Bezos was busy building the world's largest online bookstore, Kadabra. The idea for the name came from the word Abracadabra. Bezos wanted the name Kadabra to evoke magic. It would reinforce the magic of the breadth of what they had available, all the niches they'd been able to serve, as well as capture the magic and convenience of building online, still a wonder in the early days of e-commerce. But when Bezos called his lawyer on the phone to start the trademarking incorporation process, his lawyer misheard Kadabra as Cadaver. Needless to say, he thought it was a red flag. The lawyer also believed Cadabra was too obscure a reference. So Bezos was pushed back to the drawing board. He registered several more domains in the time of his search, including bookmall.com, browse.com, and even awake.com, and eventually settled temporarily on Relentless.com. The feeling was it might be a little too aggressive for the brand image that they were going for. And also at the time, because website listings were often alphabetical, he wanted to appear near the top, so names beginning with A appealed to him. So in his brilliance, he did what any of us would do. He cracked open a dictionary and started to read the A's. Eventually, he landed on Amazon and chose it because it was one of the longest rivers in the world close enough to his desire to build the Earth's biggest store. Although he obviously liked the name Relentless, because even today Relentless.com will still redirect to Amazon. How about Backrub.com? Never heard of it, right? Well, it was intended to be a play on analyzing backlinks in order to rank websites by relevance in search results. The founders didn't much like the name Backrub either, which is why it was ultimately switched to Google an unintentional misspelling of Google, or cable.com. Not a forerunner to chewy.com, but would you believe Netflix? Yeah, Netflix. While cable was never really considered seriously as a new services name, it was a domain co-founder Mark Randolph already owned, and they used it as a placeholder. Their first real name option was rent.com. You might remember at that time, the service was mailing DVDs to subscribers. Unfortunately, Rent.com was already taken, and the co-founders weren't willing to cough up the $40,000 its owner wanted to let it go. Not unlike Amazon and Google, luck certainly played a role here. Had they secured Rent.com at the time, they almost certainly would have had to rebrand once they changed to a streaming service. Instead, Netflix allowed them the room they needed to grow. And today... Amazon and Google are two of the most valuable brands in the world. Amazon has been valued at $1.5 trillion and Google at $1.5 trillion as well. And this is at the time of the recording, obviously. Netflix brand may also be worth a measly $245 billion by comparison, but was the fastest growing brand in 2019. And these valuations are for the brand themselves, not property, products, or infrastructure. The brands alone of which the brand name is a centerpiece. Because your brand name is how people talk about you. It's the creative assets that's actively shared in conversations and how people remember you. 
A brand name also has a lot of heavy lifting to do. It can tell consumers what your brand does, what category you're in, what you offer, and what you sell. It helps differentiate your brand from competitors and lets consumers know what's special about you. It signals to the market who your brand is for and who you're looking to serve. It sparks curiosity about your brand's story and captures your brand essence. And if you are a purpose-driven brand, your brand name might also be the distillation of your brand's vision or mission. Think of the best brand names as a connective tissue between your products, target audience, essence, and brand story. All in one or two simple words that are easy to say and spell. And it should pass the audio test. Think, if someone heard your brand name on the podcast, would they be able to tell, would they be able to Google it and get the spelling right? Not to mention, since we're talking about direct-to-consumer, DTC, choosing a brand name that does all of this and is also available as a domain and for social profiles. I know, this is a long list of boxes to tick off, but remember, this is one of your brand's most important assets, so it deserves a great amount of care. Precisely because it has so many jobs to do, it's worth understanding or at least appreciating some of the deeper psychology behind brand names. Because really, great brand names don't just tell us what a company does. They make us feel, react emotionally. Over time, your brand name becomes a promise to consumers and becomes associated with your reputation and brand experience. But even the name of a new brand shapes the customer's perception of your business. A study conducted in psychology and marketing looked at how the names of hotels impacted their opinion before and after their stay. Before staying at a hotel, customers were only told the brand name and then asked for their impressions. What happened was that participants rated the hotel's highly on attributes that were semantically related to the hotel's name. In plain English, a name like Residence Inn was associated with feelings of being at home, friendliness, and comfort, because those are feelings we associate with the word residence. We hear residence, and our mind jumps to the word home, and all the feelings we associate with it. A hotel name like Palace Hotel, on the other hand, would be associated more closely with attributes like luxury, quality, and exclusivity. What was interesting was that these impressions built by the name alone were resistant to changing, even after participants were explicitly told the various hotels shared many of the same attributes. Even after staying at the hotel, the initial impression created by the hotel's name shaped their perception of the brand experience almost as if the hotel's name acted like a diagnostic guideline or search criteria. The name set participants look up for features and experiences aligns with the impression they had already made. They were just looking to justify that initial impression. So the emotional associations created by a brand name are highly resistant to changing, which means to get the most out of this effect, you need to understand your target audience. This will make sure you're hitting the emotional notes that will resonate with your customers. Luckily, brand names are already more likely to strike emotional chords in consumers compared with other nouns. A UCLA study found that while we process language mostly on the left side of our brains, that would mean the more logical, rational side of our minds, but brand names create a stronger response in the more emotional right side of the brain as well. This is in large part because we rarely encounter brand names in isolation. Often we see it alongside a brand's logo, messaging, and an offer. And we probably don't see it just once 
but multiple times as we encounter any given brand's marketing over time. It means we end up associating brand names consistently with visual and emotional messaging. So even when we see them in isolation, those rich associations are triggered with it. A current trend in branding name is leveraging the innate emotional power of brand names and doubling down by using more primal words like nest, ring, and away. They're also instantly familiar and easy to remember. The advantage of using more simple everyday words is that we already have a rich reservoir of associations with them. Nest is a good example because the national associations we have with the word home, cozy, warm, they're all built upon by branding. Their flagship product was a video doorbell, and they've since branched into security cameras, thermostats, and so smoke detectors. All tech products that help you add to the comfort and security of your home. This results in an exceptionally strong brand name once the added associations of visual branding and messaging add to the meaning in our lives. Of course, one drawback of this approach in e-commerce is the availability of domain names and social profiles, and most of these kind of plain words will definitely be taken. So you might need to get a little creative. It's one explanation for another trend in brand names, the intentional misspelling or abbreviation or words. Think Tumblr or Flickr or adding a prefix or suffix to a common word like videofy. If you don't want your brand name to have such strong internet vibe to it, other trends that might appeal to you are compound words. That's a brand name that starts two or more words into one, like homegrown, bird dogs, skull candy, or gym shark. Or you could try your hand at creating a portmanteau. The literal meaning of portmanteau is a large suitcase, but it also means the blending or combination of words and sounds. Brunch, for instance, which is a combination of breakfast and lunch, is a portmanteau. So is smog, which combines smoke and fog. Famous portmanteau brand names include Pinterest, Groupon, and Microsoft. But there are a few other psychological influences to keep in mind as well. One of the most powerful psychological forces that dictates whether we like a brand name is the human preference for familiarity. Another reason why those more primal brand names are in fashion. But this raises a problem. When you pick a familiar brand name, whether it's a common word or similar to others in your category, you risk choosing a forgettable name. You'll need to balance the risk of choosing something unique, even if it's not love at first sight for customers. And this is where the power of branding comes in. There's a well-known psychological phenomenon called the mere exposure effect that explains how we end up loving brand names we dislike the first time we hear them. In essence, our brains are hardwired to reject anything new and unfamiliar. It makes sense as at one point in our evolution, this may have been a survival mechanism. Not recognizing a person or a source of food meant we had no way of knowing if it was a threat. But as we're exposed to the name over time, our familiarity grows. One famous instance of this effect at work with brand names includes the Sci-Fi TV channel. In 2009, they swapped their famous Sci-Fi, the well-known abbreviation of Sci-Fi, for S-Y-F-Y Sci-Fi. The idea was to appeal to audiences outside of the U.S., especially because the abbreviation of Sci-Fi was only widely used within North America. Critics were quick and savage calling it everything from ill-advised to a nickname for syphilis to pronouncing the beginning of Death Watch for the inevitable walk back. 
but the brand stuck with it. And the following year proved to be their most successful. In fact, it has now stuck for over 10 years worldwide. Of course, this was after its parent company spent millions promoting the new name to help the exposure effect along. It worked. By the summer of 2009, Sci-Fi, which is S-Y-F-Y, had reached 53% unaided ad awareness. It's a reminder that with the consistency of branding, you can overcome the natural distaste of those unfamiliar and end up with a brand name that differentiates you in the market. It's also a reminder of why you should avoid crowdsourcing or market testing a brand name because consumers will always choose a familiar name over what might be a better option. And since you probably don't have millions of dollars for an ad campaign like Sci-Fi did, here's another tip. Create a story around your brand name that will help people remember it faster and that will lay the ground for an emotional connection. For example, Zynga, the game developer, had an unfamiliar and potential difficult name to remember. But the story of his origin, that the CEO named the company after his dog, Zygna, helped. As does the company logo, which includes the silhouette of a dog. So don't shy away from a brand name option that might seem to break all the rules if you really feel it's the best choice. Whether or not you go with a familiar name, consumers are powerfully drawn to patterns and logic. Chi Lu, a computational linguist, has written extensively about something called phonetic symbolism. Basically, that means certain sounds carry symbolic meaning. For instance, the word mill is often described as sounding smaller than the word mal, because people use that word in the context of millimeter. If you spend any time with our e-commerce branding book checkout, you'll know we play with that sound ourselves in the brand name Minimal, the men's skincare brand we built as a case study throughout our book. For more on that thought process behind the name and everything else about the brand, you can order a free copy at ebrandbook.com. Words starting with GL are processed visually as well. Think of the words glitter or gleam, and this might make sense. So it's not a surprise to find so many brand names in the cosmetics industry starting with GL, like Glossier and Glow Mineral. Alliteration, which is a repetition of the same letter or sound, is associated with baby talk, which might explain the stickiness of the brand name Oshkosh, Bigosh. And another point for our friend is exposure effect. We also tend to prefer words and sounds that start with the same letter as our own first name. But one of the most important psychological effects to keep in mind when choosing a brand name is the Gestalt theory. Gestalt is one of those German words that has no real equivalent in English, but the closest words are pattern and form. The theory is that humans are pattern-seeking creatures and that this bias for patterns is an important part of our perception. In other words, we tend to see the overall pattern before individual components. The saying, the whole is more than the sum of its part, is often used to explain the Gestalt theory. So what does that mean for branding and more specifically for your name, your brand name? The most important thing about Gestalt theory is to understand that at a practical level, it means our brains have a strong, strong tendency to fill in the gaps. If I drew a square with a dotted line, you'd see a square, even though none of those lines are connected. It's actually why it's so difficult to catch typos in a block of text. Once you reach more advanced reading levels, 
you no longer process words by looking at each individual letter. Instead, you see words as a whole, almost like a shape. And since most typos either omit a single letter or swap two letters in the middle of the word, small errors that don't destroy the overall shape of the word. Our brains see the shape, fill in the gaps, and subconsciously fixes the typo, so we end up skipping right over it unless you slow down and start reading the words a letter at a time. This particular tendency destroyed the AIDS brand in the 80s, and that's spelled as A-Y-D-S. AIDS was a weight loss aid, but when the AIDS pandemic hit, a disease that was associated with rapid weight loss, the names were just too alike for the brand to survive. Now, we don't just fill in the gaps visually, we also do it conceptually. And this is why metaphors make such good brand names like Amazon and Nest. Remember what I said near the opening of the episode today? Your brand name is a promise. Having a brand name that's a metaphor makes it open to interpretation, which gives you the space to expand and grow without breaking the promise your brand name makes to customers. Netflix works whether you're streaming or getting a DVD in the mail that you ordered online. Rent.com, on the other hand, doesn't expand well into the streaming world. But there's an additional benefit. A metaphor as a brand name will carry the world's literal meaning and its associated emotions, as well as all the associations you'll build specifically with your brand. It's the gap between the world's literal meaning and its meaning to your brand that will trigger our minds to fill in that gap by frigging out the context between the word and your business. You don't want to create too much of a gap that the connection is obscure, but it should be big enough gap to invite curiosity. If you choose a name that's too literal, customers might feel like the associations between the dictionary definition and your business is somewhat forced. In other words, they'll feel like they're being told what the brand means, which makes us resistant to believe in the brand promise of the name because it feels like someone else's opinion. A more open name invites customers to fill in the gap and reach their own conclusions about the brand name's meaning, something that will actually increase trust in the brand. A metaphor pulls customers into the story of the brand as they compare the name's literal meaning to what the brand does and why. The aha moment is when customers find the connection that fills in the gap. It gives an emotional rush that bonds them to the brand since it creates a feeling of understanding of being part of that club, which in turn also makes the brand more memorable. You can also use Gestalt theory to help you design a more effective brand logo. E-commerce brand Negative, another DTC underwear company, has an amazing logo. Check it out. It's just plain text of the word negative, in uppercase, with a thin outline of a black box around it, except the individual letters of the word negative are missing small pieces. For example, the letter E is missing its vertical backbone, and N is also missing its leftmost vertical line. It's a clever way to visualize the literal meaning of the word, while also triggering Gestalt theory as a mind's automatically fill in those missing lines. And we recognize the word despite the fact it's only half there. But while all of the psychology is great, how do you actually put it into practice? Because everything we covered so far is a lot to juggle. Consider the iconic brand name Kodak. First of all, in terms of guest all theory, Kodak makes a very pleasing shape. The two Ks that bookend the name create almost a rectangular frame around the word, which at that time worked well because the product Kodak sold cameras, which are also rectangular in shape. 
as well as the pictures you took with the product once they were printed. And the double K in the name also created a sound that echoes the click of a camera. Psychologically speaking, it's an almost perfect name. But none of this was actually considered when George Eastman, the company's founder, chose it. Eastman was simply a fan of the letter K and the strong sound it makes. The word Kodak specifically was invented by his mother while playing with an anagram set. Eastman picked it up because it was short, easy to pronounce. And because it was made up, it wouldn't be mistaken for or associated with any other brand. And frankly, the word sounded good. Remember Jeff Bezos picked Amazon out of the phone book? Google was a misspelling? Obviously, not all brand names are accidents, and yours shouldn't be either. Well, the point is that at some point, it comes down to trusting your own instincts. Use those psychological insights to help you brainstorm ideas, and the more options you have, the better. These ideas might help you evaluate some of your contestants, and since I know you've done all the extensive brand work before turning into your creative assets, your brand will help you narrow down the list. But after that, trust yourself. Maybe you really like George Eastman and just have an affinity for a certain sound, or there's an image or object that constantly comes to mind as you go through your branding work. If you've taken the time to build a brand with care, a lot of the psychology will take care of itself. But one word for caution, your brand name won't be yours alone. Especially if your brand name creates an emotional reaction in customers, it might inspire a brand nickname that sticks. If you're lucky, you'll be crowned with a positive endearing name like Coke or Mickey D's. But if the promise of your brand name isn't kept by your products, that nickname might not be too endearing. Fiat, an Italian car manufacturer, has been a victim of this. Fiat actually stands for Fabrica Italiana Automobili Torino, which in English translates to Italian Automobile Factory of Turin. But by the 70s, Fiat had a growing reputation for selling unreliable cars that were especially prone to rusting. Clever consumers co-opted the very respectable Fiat name and joked that it really stood for Fix It Again Tony. Unfortunately for Fiat, it was a perfect storm of customer perceptions and a sticky nickname, and within a few short years, sales leveled and eventually plummeted. In 1983, Fiat left the North American market. They did eventually come back fairly recently in 2009, and even though it has been more than 25 years, their first ad campaign in the market tackled the nickname head-on. They also managed to make fun of Honda in the process. It's worth looking it up if you have a chance. But this is a tightrope wire you'll walk when you create an effective brand name. You want your brand name to leave enough space for the customer to participate in the brand story. This is a part of why customers end up bonding with your brand but you don't want to leave so much space between the promise of your name and the reality of your product that your name's hijacked. So above all, no matter how clever your brand name, it won't do you much good long-term if your brand doesn't fulfill the name's promise. Whether you brainstorm on a whiteboard, dive into a dictionary, explore psychology, or plain make something up, choosing a brand name is one of the most consequential decisions you'll make for your brand. It shapes customer perceptions of your business and is the piece of the brand that customers carry with them. So if you're not careful, your customers can turn your name upside down. Your name is a flag bearer of your reputation and your vision. Choose it with care. You've been listening to eBrandCast, where we decode what branding truly is so you can build a dominant e-com brand. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, but hey, you tell us by leaving a review. Since our podcast is brand new, 
Reviews are critical for helping us get established. They increase the visibility of the podcast, or more importantly, your feedback helps us improve and provide us with more value. And as a thank you for taking the time, we're offering everyone who leaves us a review free lifetime access to the 7C Canvas platform. It's an online tool that allows you to fill out, save, and share as many versions of the 7C Canvas as you can come up with. What's the 7C Canvas? It's the ultimate one-pager building block technique to creating an e-commerce brand strategy. It accompanies our flagship 7C method and is the perfect companion for a book checkout. Getting access is an easy three-step process. First, post a review on Apple Podcast. Five stars is always welcome. Second, take a screenshot of your review. And finally, email your screenshot to reviews at ebrandbuilders.com and we'll reply back with instructions to access the new home of your brand strategy. Can't get enough of eBrandCast? You can find more episodes at eBrandCast.com. And you can make sure you never miss a new episode by subscribing. Thank you again for tuning. See you next time. Bye for now.